was a little over 24 years ago that I was standing in front of a judge in Waukesha County, just outside of Milwaukee. Now, you may not believe this, but that was not something that was common for me or normal. So I just want to assure you that. And I was kind of nervous, and my wife was standing next to me, and see, we had, uh, we had filled out all the forms, we'd given them all the documents, we had done a home study, we had done a psychological exam, which I passed, but that wasn't enough. Why we were there is we were uh, on the verge of adopting a little baby by the name of Elizabeth. She'd lived in our home for six months. We were foster parents for her. And all those things that we had done weren't enough because standing next to us was a lawyer, an advocate, somebody that knew the language to use in front of the judge in order to appeal what we were asking to be approved and that was for us to be granted uh, this baby, allowed to adopt her into our family. We put our hope in that advocate. In our section of Scripture for today, which is in Hebrews chapter 7, the writer talks about an advocate. And that advocate is Jesus. And what I want us to think about this morning is what, what the writer says about this advocate. And what the writer says in verse 19 is as a result of what this advocate has done, we have confidence in a better hope. You see, the early part of this chapter, the writer of Hebrews says, you know, all this sort of stuff that happened in the Old Testament, the priests and all they did and the sacrifices and you know, going into the Holy of Holies once a year to, to appeal for the people of God. All of that wasn't enough. But there was a perfect advocate that God was going to provide. And as a result of that, the writer says we can have a better hope. We need a better hope. Josh Whedon, who is the uh, screenwriter and director of movies like Toy Story and The Avenger, was asked in an interview if he had hope that the human race is becoming smarter and better. And he said this, he said, I actually think we're becoming stupider and more petty. What's going on in this country and many countries is beyond depressing. It's terrifying. I can't believe anybody thinks that we're actually going to make it before we destroy the planet. I honestly think it's inevitable. I have no hope. I want to be wrong more than anything. Now, that's really a pessimistic view of our world, I have to admit. But some of us this morning look at our world and we go, yeah, I don't have hope for what I see out there. Or some of us look at our families, or some of us look at our jobs, or maybe lack thereof, or some of us look at our lives, and we're feeling hopeless. People in our world are looking for a better hope. One theologian said this, he said, What oxygen is to the lungs, such is hope to the meaning of life. 
We all need hope. And the writer of Hebrews says God's provided a way to get that better hope, to get hope, to experience hope, to, to live as people of hope. See, we had to trust our lawyer and his credentials, and you know we understood his education, we understood his experience, we, he had some recommendations that came with him as we invited him to come along and, and stand alongside of us in front of this judge. He had all these things that he brought with him to help us to adopt our baby daughter. Strangely and interestingly enough, a few years later, he was charged with some things, but we won't go into that. Was it, he wasn't a perfect advocate. You know, the writer of Hebrews has some things to say about the perfect advocate that God's provided. And we, in our world, look in different places for a better hope. I, list, I found some of these last words of famous people that reflect something about where they tried to find their hope. Like George Harrison... One of the Beatles said this, love one another. He was trying to find his hope in love. Not a bad place, but not enough. Bob Marley said, money can't buy life. Bob Marley came to a place of understanding that we can't find our hope in money or things or possessions. Remember a few years ago, Whitney Houston died, and just her very last words as she was dying were were these, you know, he's so cool, I really want to see Jesus. You know, where is your certainty of hope this morning? Is it in that job? Is it in those things? Is is it in money? Is it in that relationship? Is Is it in love? Or is it in maybe that twinkling that that Whitney Houston had at the end of her life, is it in Jesus? Because the writer of Hebrews says, yeah, there's reason for us to have confidence in a better hope because, or in, as we invest ourselves in Jesus, or as we come into relationship with Jesus, as we hold on to Jesus, as we walk through life with Jesus. And he says there's, there's some things that we, we need to look at and remind ourselves of as we look at Jesus that will convince us that he is a place where we can find a better hope. And one thing that the writer of Hebrews says is, is that Jesus was promised by God. It says in verse 20, 21, there was an oath regarding Jesus. For God said to him, the Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever. Jesus is enough, is what God said. God made a promise. And earlier in Hebrews, it says this about God's promises. He made a promise about Abraham. And and it says this in verse 13 of chapter 6. It says, God made this promise to Abraham. And it says then, so there was no greater, because there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name. So what the writer of Hebrews is saying, you know, if God promises something, it's going to happen. It's going to be done. You can be sure of that. You can have confidence in that. You can know for certain that it's true. And God said, this is the one that you can find hope in. Jesus. God promises that to us. The other thing that the writer of Hebrews says is 
the reason why we can have confidence and trust in a better hope is because Jesus was permanent. It says in verse 23 of uh, the seventh chapter, There were many priests on the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Later in chapter 13 of Hebrews it says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He's taken that position before God on our behalf. And it's something that's permanent, something that's lasting, it's something that won't change. He's going to be there in eternity. There's a story told about uh, the Sitzer family. This was in 1991. They were on a family outing, and a drunk driver was in the other lane. He jumped the lane and smashed into the front of their car. And Jerry Sitzer and three of his children survived. His wife his four-year-old daughter and his mother were killed on impact. Devastating blow to his, those that remained alive. And Sitzer, as he was trying to walk his family through this horrendous tragedy that happened in their lives, wrote this. He said, One particular conversation has stayed fresh in my memory. David, his son, was eight at the time. We were driving to a soccer match some distance from our home, and typical for these occasions, David was quiet. The car was full of silence, not a heavy silence, but a liquid silence, as if some question was brewing inside of him, inside of David. Do you think Mom sees us right now? David asked. I don't know, David. I think maybe she does see us. Why do you ask? I don't see how she could, Dad. I thought heaven was full of happiness. And how could she bear to see us so sad? Smart kid. Perceptive. Obviously something that he'd been thinking about. And then Jerry responds. He says, I I think she does see us. But she sees the whole story, including how it all turns out, which is beautiful to her. It's going to be a good story, David. And then he, Jerry talks about, many people ask him a question, why would God allow suffering? He talks talks to them about the suffering of Jesus. He talks to them about the, the resurrection of Jesus. And then he wrote this, he said, God knows pain within himself. God knows joy within himself. He knows the whole story as one, including how it all turns out which is glorious indeed. You know, Jesus knows the whole story. And that's what this section of Scripture reminds us of. He's there in eternity. He's got it all figured out. He understands it all. Someday, when we're together with Him in eternity, He's going to grab a hold of our our hand, and He's going to say, remember when this happened? This horrendous thing, this terrible thing, this heartbreaking thing in your life? This is what was accomplished as a result of it. We're in in a world where people and places and possessions are passing away. But Jesus is permanent. He's eternal. He's everlasting. He is a certain source of hope for us. And then the other thing that the writer of Hebrews says is, is Jesus is perfect. 
In verse 26, it says, He's the kind of high priest we need because He's holy. He's blameless. He's unstained by sin. He's been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. The writer of Hebrews says, He's all-sufficient in your time of need, in your time of hopelessness, in your time of struggle. Not only that, but He's flawless. He's perfect, says in verse 28. Last Sunday afternoon, there was a closing. We have this uh, Christian retreat weekend. Next weekend, the men. Last weekend, the women. And there's a closing on Sunday afternoon, and it's an opportunity for the members of the, the team, the candidates, just to share some of what God did through the weekend in their lives. Amazing things. People come to, to know Jesus and come into a relationship with Him. And, and God meets them in different hard places in their lives and, and brings them through. And they've got a Saturday night. They've got a cross that they put down in the chapel, and people go down there, and, and they nail their stuff to the cross, and they just want to give over to Jesus. And I was at the closing last Sunday, and one of the ladies stood up and she pointed to one of the stained glass windows in the, the chapel at the Shalom Center. And there's a picture on that stained glass window of a, of a guy holding a sword. And, and his, uh, his foot is on the head of a serpent that's laying on the ground. She pointed that out and she said, you know, that reminds me that, that Jesus has got his foot on the head of the devil, of Satan, of, evil, of the evil one. And I was looking more closely at that, and, and I noticed that on the sword, or the, the, uh, the shield of this, this person who had his foot on the head of, of the serpent, there was something, and I had, a, I had a reel back to my high school Latin, which I was forced to take, uh, but I had a reel back to that, and I was like, that is Latin. I know that much. Not sure what it said, so I got my smartphone out and I and I typed in the it, the words were "cus ut ut Deus." I'm like, it has something to do with God. So I typed it into my smartphone, and I came to realize, or I found out, that what it meant is "who is like God." Who is like God that can put down the evil? in our world, that has conquered the devil, that is all-powerful in our places of despair. And actually that man is, was the archangel Michael that was holding the shield. And what the writer of Hebrews says to us is, who is like Jesus? No one. And that's why we can have certainty of hope in Him. The writer of Hebrews tells us a little bit about what this better hope is, is like. And he says one thing in verse 23 is as a result of this, that we have, a, or Jesus guarantees a better covenant with God. Now, if you remember in the Old Testament, and we've talked about that in the last, over the last year as we went through uh, Eat This Book and went through the Old Testament, we talked about the different times that God made a covenant with His people, Abraham, Noah, etc. And what it was is God saying, you know, I promise. This is my promise to you as my people. And actually in the New Testament, we, uh, it talks about the New Covenant. And actually as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, we talk about, you know, Jesus said, this is a new covenant in my blood. 
It's a promise that God makes. The promise is that you are my people and I will be with you. You are my people and I will take care of you. You are my people and this life and the life to come, I'm going to be there with you. And so Jesus is again a reminder to us that God's got our back. He's promised that. Remember what it said in uh, in Hebrews 6? You know, when God swears or when God makes a promise, when God makes an oath, when God makes a covenant, we can be certain of that. That's never going to change. That will always be the same. God will always see us through the blood of Jesus. The writer of Hebrews also says that what this uh, better hope, hope looks like is, is a saved life. In, t- in verse 25, it says, Therefore he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. We have certainty of salvation, and we all need it. Every single one of us need to be saved, and we can't do it on our own. There's a story told, you probably heard this, uh, about a logic class. My younger daughter just took logic and was telling me how she hated it. But anyway... Very illogical, I guess. Um, but there's a story told about this logic class, and you know, it gets down to the to the final exam. And before the students are going to come to take the final exam, the class before that, prof- professor says, "This is the deal. I know this is a hard exam, but I'm going to give you one grace, one you know opportunity, and that is, you can bring an eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper." And you can fill it with any information that you want to. And you can, this, is, this is for you to bring to class in order to use on the exam. So comes the day of the exam, and so the students are filing in, and they've got their, you know, their 8.5 by 11, there, nothing else, no cell phones, none of those other sort of things. And they sit down, and one of the students takes his sheet of paper and has an advanced logic student come in and stand on that piece of paper. Obviously, he had smaller feet than I do. But he had an advanced logic student stand on that piece of paper, and through the exam, that advanced logic student gave him all the answers that he needed to be the only one in that class to get an A. There is going to be a final exam in eternity. And maybe on your sheet of paper, you're going to have a lot of things written, all the good things that you've done, all the ways that you've cared for your family, all those other things, and God's going to look at that and He's going to say, you know what, that's not enough. But for those of you that have a relationship with Jesus, what's going to happen is Jesus is going to stand on that piece of paper, and He is going to be the one that it's going to be... That's going to make it possible for you to pass that final exam. Because he hung on the cross, he shed his blood, he gave his life, and all the other stuff doesn't count. And then the writer of Hebrews says there's one other thing that is part of our better hope, and that is an eternal intercession that Jesus provides. Verse 25, it says, He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. On your behalf, on my behalf. 
Now, to intercede actually literally means literally means to meet together with. So we talked to to Jesus. Actually, I, I saw this bumper sticker this week. It said, or it says, prayer, the world's original original wireless network. I like that. But it is it networks us with with Jesus, networks us with God, because, you know, the wonderful thing about our network is that, you know, we've got Jesus, God's the provider of the network, first of all, and then Jesus is the link. So we, we can go to Jesus, and Jesus goes to God, and he, he talks to God about us. And he says, you know, I know they've messed up. I know they haven't done it all right. I know they um, have hurt some people. They said some bad things. And then Jesus says, these nail-pierced hands and feet, the blood that I shed was to wash that away. See, Jesus is our hope helper, is what the writer of Hebrews says. I like these words from Job chapter 16. Remember the book of Job and the horrible things? I would imagine if I was Job that I would have been at places in my life or in those days where I was feeling pretty hopeless, where I was feeling pretty hopeless. And then, you know, his friends gather around him and they're not really very helpful. Remember they're pointing fingers at him and blaming him for this and blaming him for that and calling him stupid and all those other sort of things, and maybe that's happened to you sometimes in the midst of your hopelessness. Friends aren't too helpful. But I love what he says in, uh, in Job chapter 16, verse 19. He says, Even now my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. My intercessor is my friend as my eyes pour out tears to God. On behalf of a man, he pleads with God as a man pleads for his friend. Only a few years will pass before I will go on the journey of no return. See, Job knew that there was, <laughs> there was an intercessor. That intercessor was, was Jesus. And so as Job was crying out and as he was pouring out his tears, he could pour them out before Jesus. And Jesus got to the Heavenly Father and said, You know what? We need to come alongside of Job. We need to meet him in the midst of this hard place in his life. We need to walk him through this. And he's here to do that for you and me this morning and through the days to come. Tim Keller, staff actually is reading a book by him. He's got some great books if you want to read. Uh, one of my favorite authors. The book is called The Reason for God. Tim Keller says this about hope. He says there's no hope unless God himself has punched a hole in the ceiling of the universe and our great captain, Jesus Christ, who has opened a cleft in the, in the pitiless walls of the universe, bids us come to see. He's entered in. He was born. He died for our sins. And now he's raised again. He has risen from the dead. If all that's true, then you can be saved. Then there's hope for the future. Then your sins can be forgiven. Then you can have a relationship with God. 
then the Spirit of God can come into your life and change you. You want hope? The only way that you can get it, is what he's saying, is as God has punched a hole in the ceiling of the universe, He's come down into this world in the person of Jesus Christ and made it possible for us to to connect with Him. For us to reach up through that hole in the ceiling of the universe and to find hope in a God that cares for us and loves us that much. Just in closing, there's a story of this... uh, this village in Africa. They'd been through some terrible things. One of their uh, one of their young people that actually went to the church in that village was stabbed to death by a gang. Another person's house was burnt down. A storm came through that village and wiped out 50 homes and killed five people. Horrendous things had happened to them. And they gathered together in their church and the pastor prayed this prayer. He said, Lord, you're the creator and the sovereign. But why did the wind come like a snake and tear off, tear off our roofs? Why did a mob cut short the life of our own children when he had everything to live for? Over and over again, Lord, we're in the midst of death. And as he was praying that prayer, there was this, this sadness that went over to the crowd, and you could hear groaning and, and tears and just devastation on people. And then as the prayer came to an end, their voices were raised in praise and worship to their God. And this writer says, Christian hope isn't about looking around at the state of things now and trying to imagine where it's all going. It's not about trying to calculate the future from the present. It's about breathing now the fresh air of the ending, tasting the spices and sipping the wine to the feast to come. You know, and, and the writer of Hebrews wants to give us a glimpse of that as he reminds us of who Jesus is, as he reminds us of, of this one that we can trust in, that we can have certainty in, that we can lean on, that we can rely on in those places where we need to find hope. And it's there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for uh, the words of, of this passage. Thank You for the confidence that we can have in a better hope. Thank You that You've given us uh, reason for that, the Lord Jesus, that we can trust in Him, that we can lean on Him and rely on Him. We thank you for uh, the certainty that we have of, of new life, certainty we have of one that's interceding on our behalf in the midst of all that take place, that's taking place in our lives. We just give our thanks and our praise to you, and we pray in his powerful name. Amen.